Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today in the consumer goods world, which, of course, is our primary focus. And you guys are going to love this really cool new company focused on the water space and like eliminating plastic. I've got on the podcast today Alex Mahe. He's the CEO and founder of Skuma. He's over in the UK, right, I believe. So, Alex, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Justin. It's I'm awesome. Excited. Yeah, this is so cool. Um, love this space. I mean, obviously, in the industry, plastic is a, a big issue, right? And and especially in the water space. And so I can't wait to unpack this with you today. Um, it's a, a hot topic with many people from the environmentalists to people like it just in the in the industry that want to do to do better and even to the consumer. So I can't wait to jump in. But um, let's start with this. So um, doing my homework on you, I, I saw, you, you know, like you, I also also have an industrial engineering background, which is great. And then I saw you had a master's in law focused on international dispute resolution. And here you are starting a company in the consumer product space and building out this amazing um, product in the water space. So help us understand your path and how you got to the point of wanting to start this business. Sure. Yeah. Very good question. Uh, so basically how it all went down, it's uh, I used to grow up in different countries. So every two years we used to move uh, given my my father's job, so he was in petrol engineering. So every two years we were changing. We were in Africa, then in Europe, then in Latin America, etc. So the la- the last part of my childhood was in Qatar, so in the Middle East, next to Dubai. Some people are not very sure. With it. Absolutely. And um, so I wanted to study engineering. The best place I found was Canada. So I moved to Montreal, studied there for uh, it was four years and a half. Um, I started working on small projects. So I, it was engineering. My dad recommended me to study engineering given his background. And totally. I just was, I didn't have any particular, uh, let's say, uh, interest in it, but I just said, okay, whatever, let's just go with it. And uh, so I started working on small projects with some other guys at university. And it was mostly so hardware related, uh, as you can, t- as you know yourself from sure, industrial engineering. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, we then started actually a company when uh, I was 18. So my first year in Canada, it was a different concept, but uh, it didn't work. But I came across many problems. So especially on the legal side, so it it, it ties up to the question as to why sure. did I choose a master's in law? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had a lot of problems on the, um, the sort of legal aspect with the contracts, with intellectual property, uh, some, so, let's say, subcontractors were not delivering as promised and were charging us double the fees. So I wanted to learn more about how, I mean, what can be done if a contract doesn't go the way that was planned, etc. So sure. it led me to, to move to the UK and start basically studying um, dispute resolution. Wow, that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, it totally makes sense then having the the law background and the focus in that space. So, what got you interested in the water world? I'll call it um, and this whole space around plastic and eliminating plastic and, and single use re- um, plastic bottles. Yeah, sure. So basically, the, as I mentioned, the first company we started in Montreal was based on. I'm a contact lens user, so I use glasses, but during the day I use contact lenses. Sure. And I since I moved out from my house. 
I had to go and purchase the sterile solution to clean these contact lenses. And I noticed how expensive it was. And every totally. time I throw a big, a, a big uh, container of plastic, I found it pretty wasteful. So the idea with, with my friends at the time was let's recreate this um, sterile solution. Is it possible to be recreated, etc.? So it, that's how we, we got a bit into the space of water. And uh, so the concept was where everything was working. We got some partners, actually uh, really respectable partners, reputable, I mean, partners. Uh, the only problem was the FDA and Health Canada accreditation for this sort of device. Got so it. we... When we came across this uh, sort of barrier, it's it's being our first product. We were young; we were still like, in the <laughs> early twenties, not right. even. And so we were like, okay, let's let's shift into something different. And uh, it coincided with my move to the UK. So there, uh, it struck me how much British the, the British consumer uses bottled water. Right for a country for a country that has perfectly safe tap water. So similar to Montreal, but really high i mean um purity levels etc and that's what what struck me and it was like the same amount of people drinking bottled water in countries like africa or the middle east was the same in the uk wow. so i personally was drink tap water there because for me it's perfectly fine but sure so the idea was why uh in a country where tap water is perfectly safe in the us also in most of the most of the major cities why do so many people drink bottled water and more importantly why is this consumption increasing right so we we then conduct i'm a bit going on a tangent but we then conducted some uh, street interviews um using some companies we had like a team uh, talking with people etc wanting to find out more and we found out that people usually buy bottled water for convenience for sure. the people who basically work let's say at the office they eat out etc cetera, etc cetera. right but uh, one of the major parts of it it is the the trust people have in bottled water compared right. to tap water so this is basically all the marketing that has been done the, the billions of, of of dollars spent on marketing so we wanted to recreate essentially this um it had the exact same process of having uh, bottled water, but at home. So that's how the idea for Skuma started. That's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah, I um, your mission statement is to make tap water the same in every country. I think that's really cool and simple. And or the I like that the mission statement is so simple. And then uh, interesting, over fifty three percent of the global households do not drink tap water and stock up on the single use plastic bottle, and that just contributes to the overall waste issue. And a lot of places don't recycle, as you know. Um, so why the name Skuma? And then uh, once you decided to get into this space, like what were the first steps to, to start diving in once you knew there was a problem to solve? Sure. Yeah. So they actually, the story behind the, the name is not that interesting. Uh, we, I, I used to play <laughs> video games and in one of the video games, there was a special drink that was called Skuma. Skuma. And I just liked the name. <laughs> cool. And then we received a lot of questions. Why is it called Skuma? So I did some research and Sukuma in Swahili means to push. And so we ties up with the technology we use to purify the water. So ah, that's awesome. That's the official. Let's that's say the cool. Official that's end. a good story. <laughs> that's cool. So, okay, you decide you're going to shift into this category. You talk to a lot of people. I think you interviewed over 500 different people just to get insight in terms of the plastic water, water usage. Then what? Like, how do you start in this space? Like, how, how did you decide we're going to make a, a actual product that makes mineral water, et cetera? Yeah, so that's a, also a great question. 
what we wanted to know is, are people interested in this idea compared to the previous company we had? Because the previous company, it was really hard to, let's say, raise money for grant applications, etc. We were sure. re- basically receiving re- re- refusals for every single application. So wow. for, okay. even though when speaking with people, people seemed interested, but obviously you can never rely on that sort of data. So we just did maybe three, four applications when we just had the idea. And when I say we, it's me and... Uh, my partner in Montreal. So he is also an engineer and we've we've been working together uh, since then, ever since the first company. So um, his name is George. And uh, <laughs> what we did is we did one application at the Design Council. So it's a sort of government-backed uh, startup accelerator focused solely on hardware. Sure. So that was interesting. And we, we basically got through for their 2019 cohorts. They gave us money, so 15,000 pounds to start and wow. start the, the the idea and develop the the hardware sort of explore the idea further so around the same time we also did another grant uh, to aim towards the canadian so it's the quebec ministry of technology and innovation sure. so these these grants as many of i'm sure your your listeners know takes a lot of time and uh, most the, the success rate is really small so we got also that grant from the canadian government so we we're like okay this concept is interesting uh, people like people want to to see if it's if it's doable etc and that's sort of how how we got to closing uh, about three months ago our pre-seed round of funding for a really high valuation from a hong kong based investor that basically launched uh, all the rest of our product development and then what kinds of resources did you need uh, not money resources but like people resources because i mean and then looking at the product here in terms of the sediment filter and activated carbon filter and reverse osmosis i mean i'm not an expert in the space but i mean did you know this world or did you have to get some help and whatnot to be even to come up with this idea yeah sure so on the technical aspect obviously we were not uh, especially in water purification either uh where we were lucky enough is we wanted it coincided with the moment we wanted to have an advisory board. So we could see online, it always says, if you have an advisory board, it's much easier to raise funds, et cetera, et cetera. And talking to investors, that was some of the questions. Who is basically guiding you guys? Right, young team? absolutely, yes. So uh, we did some, we basically, there is some websites like ResearchGate that gives you um, research papers from professors, university professors on specific topics. So as we were on water filtration, and it so happens we found a, um, a professor from McGill University, also in Montreal, and uh, it was very easy to contact him. We we approached him with the idea. We said, "Would you be interested in sort of mentoring us on this?" Um, some there was some negotiation that took part, obviously, but uh, finally we got something where we were paying him per hour uh, of his time, sort of like a like a consultant. Sure. And he helped us with uh, all the the purification aspect of the device, but. Like nothing is never set, even to this day, we're still uh, uh, considering adding or removing certain elements of the of the purification based on the, the tests we're currently running. So, yeah. Sure. And then how did you figure out, okay, so you, you started with some a board of advisors or, or individuals that really knew the space. So once you had some of those concepts, how did you figure out like where to have it manufactured or how to get to that initial, um, I'll, I'll say the initial proof of concept even to test it out? Sure. Yes. So we had the the funds from the design council. So I would emphasize for all the listeners to start by applying everywhere. Uh, Just like 
anywhere you can find in every every city every government have grants for uh, entrepreneurs that you're young old women men everyone has access to grants you just need to take the time and, and write them properly even if even if it takes months and months so uh, just regarding that question, yes, we, we were fortunate enough to have the, the funds from the British Design Fund, and uh, it allowed us to basically approach a, a really reputable product developer in London, which at first we we contacted two, three, so I can get into that later, but we are always disappointed with the results. So it led us to um, learn basically 3D modeling, at a, let's say, to a very... Uh, not proficient, but proficient uh, uh, skill level that allowed us to make the initial concepts. But this initial concept in hardware, I'm sure you know, always changes. So sure. when we approached this product developer, it uh, changed the whole concept. Many things did not make sense in our concept, but I mean, that that's how we, we got the idea into something that's, that's workable. And if I can add also, the way they work is very different than all other agencies we've worked with. In Canada, we've, we've also worked with some. And it's basically based on brainstorming sessions. And I think that's something that is not uh, enough emphasized. Just speaking about the idea and uh, basically the features, etc., helps you much more nail down uh, on, on what you want to make rather than go diving directly into the details, etc., sure. etc. So, yeah. And talk about you mentioned the initial disappointing meetings with some of the other design firms. Talk about what, why they were disappointing and what, you know, what happened. Sure. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think that's very, very insightful more than the successes. Failures, right. so, um, so when we, we, I mentioned the first company in Canada, I actually managed to raise about 15,000 from my friends and family at the time. And we didn't know anything about product development. That's not something that's taught at university, even if you do engineering. Sure. And uh, we, I'm not going to name them, but we spend the majority of the money on one Toronto-based uh, product development agency. And everything seemed uh, wonderful and all uh, the deliverables seemed to be correct. Yeah. But once we received the, the final concept, it was, it was nothing that could be manufactured. It's literally something that they thought of that more or less fits the description we had but sure. we had no interaction with them it was like six months later here is your deliverables and in the uk again we 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 made the same type of mistake we commissioned uh, two product development agencies to come up with three different concepts but so we received those six concepts but none of them actually were, were feasible to make and did not have any logic behind the, the actual design right whereas yeah this the the alloy so alloy are our partners right now in, in the uk you can check them out and um, have always had a user-centric approach to everything in the design uh, phases from from the actual concept of what we're trying to do was challenged from day one and at first, they didn't even want to work with us. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, that just pushing and continuing to have conversations. Sure. I, I was at first paying for daily brainstorming sessions. So it's literally, this is uh, the cost. It was about 600 pounds, uh, half a day or a full day brainstorming session with them. And they caught on to the idea after, let's say, the second one. And now we are sort of a, a equity slash a cash basis partners on, on this. 
That's so, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that really talks to being persistent and getting a lot of no's before you get a yes. And it's hard to find the right partner a lot of times. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs I've talked to, you know, you may start with one manufacturer and that just not work out. It may take a couple of times to find the right designer, manufacturer, distributor, retailer to work with. I mean, it, it you have to you know, it takes some cost and persistence because, and, and over time, I think that's the, the key is not giving up on it, but, um, talk about, uh, the product itself. And so share with our audience kind of what the big idea is in terms of the actual product. Sure. Yeah. That's a question I think we should have talked about last first, but uh, <laughs> we went right to the details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically what the skooma does is transforms uh, tap water into mineral water. So the first idea is, okay, who cares? Well, the people who, as I said, buy bottled water care about having a label and knowing exactly what's in your water. All other water purification devices, let's say, they tell you, okay, chlorine is removed, lead is removed, etc. Like I'm, I'm talking about, for example, the Brita filter that is very popular in North America. Uh, what we do is we purify the water to some of the highest level that can be done and then we add a concentrated amount of trace minerals. So these, this special composition of trace minerals is the exact same formulation as uh, Evian. So th they are our benchmark um, water composition. So our, the water composition coming out from the device is the same exactly as Skuma. And regardless of the impurity level of the water you'll use, given the reverse osmosis technology, it will always produce the same exact water. So you can use this device in North America, in the States, in the UK, or in countries, for example, I'm right now in Turkey. In Turkey, the, the co composition of tap water, water is much different and is never used. So our ultimate goal it is to tackle these uh, countries where they are 99% reliant on bottled water. And tap water, even though it's safe, so according to the government, they respect regulations, but people are not used to and do not trust tap water. So that's what the, the, the bridge we're trying to, the gap we're trying to bridge here. Sure. And talk about where you are in the process of getting this rolled out. Yeah. So right now, we, as I mentioned, we say secured our uh, pre-seed round of funding. So this allowed us to continue the partnership and basically establish a long-term partnership with our uh, the, the product developers I, I talked about. Uh, we are currently phase two. So we developed a fully functional prototype before even this, but uh, obviously redesign was needed. So right now we are finishing up that redesign. Uh, the phase two that will start in about uh, next week, actually, it is the design for manufacturing and assembly. Uh, you should know it for sure, but for the audience who doesn't, it is to optimize the, the actual layout of the device for it to be able to be manufactured. So this is a, a step that is uh, critical, but has to be done. So that's another uh, one month on our, on our planning. And uh, then it is all about uh, finding the right manufacturer. We expect many, many setbacks and problems there, but sure. we're lucky enough to have the, the Hong Kong-based investor who actually owns a uh, manufacturing facility in Hong Kong, and he produces water filters. So that is very, a very strategic uh, partner for us and has helped us basically ever since the investment. So we are hopeful that this process will be less tedious than for other startups. Sure. And um, basically our launch date is set to uh, January, 2021. So wow, that's, we need so, to get that's awesome. <laughs> Um, you know, we've got a lot of entrepreneurs listening and a lot of individuals that would like to be entrepreneurs. What 
you know, at this stage in, in your company development and product development, what have been two or three of the biggest lessons learned that you'd share with our audience? Yeah. So I had this question on a, on a previous interview and it made me think. So I, I'm set and ready for this question. The, <laughs> the biggest one I would say is to That's find good. a co-founder. So why do I say this? Because first of all, it gives confidence in for investors and any basically application you do to know that you're not alone, even though you, you might not think that co-founder is, is going to bring anything to you. The only thing you need to be sure is that that co-founder has discipline that will push you to every morning wake up and uh, every evening basically have your, your schedule set because as many people who, who are entrepreneurs know, you are flexible in your time and you can work whenever you want. But sure. being accountable to someone pushes you to work and, and actually do the work and not just, okay, I'll do it tomorrow, whatever. Uh, second one, I would say it's about the, so it's particularly for hardware, I would say the brainstorming part of design work is essential. And I cannot emphasize this enough that it's not about how something looks, but it should, it's something that everyone says, but it's very hard to understand unless you you have lived it. So even for me saying it, it, it will not have the same impact as someone who actually messed up design or messed up their, 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 their route. So I think, yes, brainstorming and exchanging ideas with people about what your device is uh, and will people actually use it the way you intended these people to use it is uh, another critical element. And I would say the third advice is um, I used to delegate a lot tasks. So I, it wasn't very hard for me to raise money in general. So I used to delegate a lot. Okay, I have, for example, I want to launch a website. Okay, let's just pay somebody off of Fiverr or people per hour to just uh, make the website and we're done with it. But re- every time that happened, and even to this day when I, I'm delegating something to someone, it's never as good as I would have done it. Even if it <laughs> would so have true. taken me... Yeah. Exactly. Even if it would have taken me double the time, to complete the task, at least I know the task is well done. And some things you have to delegate, like product design experience, like 30 years, 40 years of experience in something cannot be replicated. But I think the majority of the tasks, especially now with social media marketing, and totally. all, you can learn anything anything from for SEOs, marketing, Instagram management, and all on YouTube. So you, I, I feel like del- too much delegating is, is one of the, the bad things. And I, I had to learn the hard way i suppose but i guess you have to go through it to to better understand it totally i totally get that well and it sounds like the road in front of you and by the way amazing advice but the road in front of you is really focused on final product development and then getting out to market right and building awareness of the brand exactly yes so we we basically are doing both of them concurrently so we're building the product but since we have that, the, the, we're lucky enough to have the product developers. Me and my co-founder and the rest of the team are a bit focusing more on the marketing uh, side of things, and we're collecting pre-orders in the UK. We want to launch in the UK, and uh, by the time we launch our product on crowdfunding, we are we, we want to reach two thousand pre-orders. We're currently almost halfway there. That's awesome. But we are. That's great. Yeah. We're, <laughs> thank you. So we're we're yeah we're pushing that. Um, Google advert, uh, ads, paid advertisement, as well as organic traffic, where we're pushing on, on everything to be able to reach that uh, 2,000 pre-order. 
uh, threshold. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, tell our listening audience where they can connect with you, how they can find your product, how they can learn more. Sure. So you can connect with me personally if you if you're interested on LinkedIn. So Alexander Yunus Mahe. Uh, and you can check out our website. So it's www.skuma, S-K-U-M-A, L-T-D, .co.uk. Uh, and you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, as well, Skuma Water for both. And yeah, we'll be more than happy to have you guys over. That's great. Yeah, it's totally excited about um, your new product, and um, it's it's an you know in a in a hot space that that we all know needs to be disrupted. And um, I'm super excited to see where this goes, and have you back on after you get out to market and get the product rolling. I'm sure there'll be some lessons learned there, and some maybe maybe even new product evolution. So we'd love to have you back on. For sure, that would be great, Justin. Thank you very much for your time. Dude. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.